speak. So let me just read to you from the book of Jonah. It says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And he went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. I think we'll read it in stages rather than me reading the whole lot to start off with. We'll just stop it there for a moment. Jonah, his name means dove. And he was a prophet of the Lord. You know the dove speaks in the Bible. It's a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And so Jonah was a prophet who had the sign of the Holy Spirit over him. And he had been used by God in earlier days. Um, and we, we know that because in uh, the book of Kings, Second uh, Kings fourteen twenty five, it says that Jonah was a, he was a prophet who spoke during the reign of Jeroboam the second. And because of his prophecies, the whole nation was actually blessed for a period. So he was a man who, um, Jonah was a prophet who had been used by God before. But as you can see, something had happened. Uh, he wasn't enjoying the presence of God. And when God sent him to go to uh, this place called Nineveh, he didn't want to go because he was holding bitterness and resentment against that nation. Now the Ninevites were a very ruthless, violent, barbaric, pagan people. And they had been pillaging and uh, coming against fighting Israel and, and had done great damage to Israel over, over a long period of time. And so Jonah had a prejudice against these people. And he didn't believe that God should, should show them mercy. I can nearly speak with Melissa there. He didn't believe that God should show them mercy. That's why he, he decided he would go the opposite direction. God was saying to Jonah, I want you to go and I want you to speak to these people in Nineveh. And he said, I, I, I want, a, I, I think it's the message puts it something like, um, I've seen their state and I want to do something about it. God could see that the people in Nineveh needed him. And even though they had hurt the Israelite people, even though they'd done great damage, God wanted Jonah to overcome his prejudice and go to these people. Now, I don't know if Jonah, maybe his family had been hurt by the Ninevites. Maybe he had lost loved ones. Maybe they'd murdered some of his, of his family. I don't know what the story is uh, about these people from Nineveh. But Jonah did not want to go to them. And we, if you think I'm just imagining that, if you turn over to chapter 3, verse 10, sorry, it's chapter 4, verse 1, it displeased Jonah that the people of Nineveh did repent. And he became angry. And he said in verse 2, he prayed to the Lord, Ah, Lord, was, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you're a gracious and a merciful God, slow to anger and abundant in loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. So what he was, what that's proving that the reason he didn't do what God told him initially was because he knew God was merciful and he, he was afraid that God would, would uh, you know, whatever he brought the message of judgment, that God would have mercy. He didn't want these people to be blessed. He didn't want them to know. He had a mindset. He had a stronghold in his mind against these people in Nineveh. And uh, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that, uh, that Satan wants to build a stronghold in our mind 
so that we are not free. The greatest uh, problem that we have is keeping our heart right, isn't it? But our heart right between each other and other people and God. And you see, Jonah's heart was not right towards these people. Therefore, how could he enjoy the presence of the Lord? And so often we have prejudices and we have, we have attitudes that are wrong towards other people and perhaps people who have harmed us, people who have hurt us. But the Bible says that we must forgive because if we don't forgive, then we will lose out on that sense of God's presence. And Jonah, it seems, was carrying bitterness. Jonah was not prepared to go and preach to them because he was afraid that God would, that they would actually respond to the message. He didn't want them to have another chance. He had no thought for these people of Nineveh. He wanted to get away from God. And it says here in the verses I've read that he arose to flee to Tarshish. Now, where he was in Israel, God was sending him to Nineveh, which was the extreme east over to Nineveh. And he headed extreme left because Tarshish, we believe, is from is actually a place in Spain. So he was heading off, apparently it's in the south coast of Spain. So Jonah, instead of doing what God told him and heading east and going to Nineveh to preach the word of the Lord, he goes exactly the opposite and he goes towards southern Spain. I think he was going for a bit of beach time. He was going to lie up on the beach for a while. He was going to get away from what God was saying and he was going to sun himself. He was heading to Spain. And it says in verse 4, Sorry, in verse 3, he went, he went down to Joppa, which is the seaport, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. He paid the fare and he went down into it. Interesting that uh, from the moment that he decided he wasn't going to obey God, it's referred that he's going down. He went down to Joppa. He went down into the, into the ship. And you know, whenever we decide, if we, if we will not give up the stronghold that we have against other people, we begin to slip down because it's so important it's so important that we keep our heart right with each other. It's so important that we don't hold prejudices and bitterness towards anybody. It's so important that we reach across with the love of God. That's what God expects from us. Interesting, this morning when I spoke to the Sri Lankan man, his name is Lalit. I have to think about it every time. And he was talking about how he's a very educated man. He's a medical doctor and he's written lots of books in Sri Lanka. And he said how he, he loves to write and encourage reconciliation. And, of course, they, they know about that because there's been so much killing in his country. And he said how we as believers, uh, yes, the people who have hurt us, he said we must cross over the line towards them. He said in reconciliation, the problem is that people think you must both come to a line where you both agree that you've, and you come to a middle line. He said that's not what reconciliation is about. He said, God sent Jesus to cross the line. Cross the line for us. And that's the attitude we must have. We must cross the line. We don't expect them to come to us. We cross over with God's love to them. And God was expecting Jonah to do that. He was expecting Jonah to cross over the line, to cross past his prejudices, and to reach over and beyond and show God's love to these people. But Jonah just wasn't up for it. Jonah was still holding prejudice, he was still holding anger, and he was still bitter towards these people of Nineveh. And he, he was not, because he had, his, he had his heart wrong towards people, he was not enjoying God's presence. When, we, when we're free from pre- prejudice, when we choose to love instead of to hate, when we choose to forgive instead of hold on to bitterness, when we make that choice, something happens that, that actually makes the presence of God so sweet to us. 
when we are walking in that place of honesty before God and we've, we've thrown down these old mindsets and we all carry them, we all carry prejudice, we all carry things in our mind, but we're to pull them down. I just feel it's important to actually read those verses in, in 2 Corinthians with you. Let me just read it. Paul wrote this, he says, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3, he says, for, we, we, for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. And I want to say to you today, and I'm saying it to myself, that one of the things that Satan does, he tries to get you to to, um, believe lies about yourself. He, he gets you to have actually a mindset that you're no good. Satan would want you to have a mindset that you can't do anything. That's a stronghold. And if you think you can't do anything or you're not good enough, that's, that's something that Satan, and sometimes Satan uses people to speak against you so that that actually kind of confirms. And it's Satan's trying to get you to think wrong about yourself. And we need to pull those lies down. And that's what it's saying here, pulling down those strongholds. We're not allowed. To, we, God does not want you to think that you're no good. God created you for a special plan. God has a plan for your life. And God wants you to pull down those lies. Don't let them reign in your life. And, and speak out the truth about yourself, that God has given you everything you need. If you've trusted Jesus as your saviour, you have the Holy Spirit within you. And you can do anything God asks you to do. You are equipped and you're qualified and you're, you're in the family of God and you belong to God and you do not listen to the lies of the enemy that he will tell you that you're no good. And if anybody else is coming and saying things, or you don't listen to that. You speak out God's truth and you pull down that stronghold. You are a mighty woman of God. So the stronghold is about ourselves, but also we can have strongholds about other people. We can judge other people. We can make a judgment about other people and we can decide, you know what? Write them off. God doesn't write anybody off. I love that about God. The biggest mess, God loves. He loves his message to go into the biggest mess. God does not write anybody off. And I tell you, I see it over and over again. The bigger the mess, the bigger the message the bigger the mess, God loves to take it and do something with it and turn it around and work it for good. He's done it in my own life and I know he can do it in all of our lives. And God wants us to know he does not want us to have a stronghold of negativity about ourselves or a stronghold of speaking words against anyone else. But Satan will try to get us to have that stronghold. And unfortunately, Jonah had a very negative mindset. He had a stronghold against these people of Nineveh. And he did not want to go. He was a man that God had used in the past. But because he had allowed bitterness to come in, he wasn't being used in the now. And I want to say to you, perhaps there are people here today and you've been used by God in the past you've seen God doing stuff in the past and you've seen you've enjoyed that you've had a sense but somehow or other you've you've allowed a stronghold to come into your mind into your negative thinking about yourself or about someone else and if that has happened I, I know right now you don't have to tell me I know you're not enjoying God's presence Jonah did not appreciate God's presence he wanted to run away from it He wasn't in a place of enjoying God's presence. And so we see that in this story that Jonah is on the run. 
And it says in verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Now, do you know, storms in life, we all go through them. And, you know, I want to make it clear that if something happens, if there's a big storm in your life, it doesn't mean that you've done something wrong. It doesn't mean that when a storm comes that you've sinned. That's not scriptural. Very often, whenever we are doing the will of God, that's when the storm comes. But in this particular case, the storm was because of Jonah's disobedience. See, God was going after him. See, God will not let us get away from him. If you've trusted Jesus Christ as Saviour and you've backslidden and gone away off on a tangent, God's hand will go after you and he'll pull you back. He won't let He's a hound of heaven. That's what C.S. Lewis said. He will not let go of you. He will go after you. And in this case, he actually created a storm so that he would get Jonah's attention. And Jonah was going away from Nineveh. Now, we'll just leave it there for a moment. Let me just tell you a little bit about this place called Nineveh because it's important that we understand a little bit about it. It was a city of of Assyria, and the Assyrians were very much anti-Jew. And it was a great, very big, big city, uh, great in size and power, and exerted a lot of influence over the whole Middle East. Nineveh was possibly the largest city in the world at that time. And according to historians, it had walls almost eight miles long, which enveloped the inner city. So the inner city, there were walls eight miles long in the inner part of the city. And the the actual circumference around the outside of the city was apparently 60 miles. It was 60 miles to go right around this city. And the name Nineveh, literally means the residence of Nimrod. And you can read about Nimrod in Genesis 10 because Nimrod, he was a descendant of one of the sons of Noah. And Nimrod was a, was a man who was full of rebellion. He rebelled against God and he, he was involved actually in a whole lot of stuff you can read around Genesis 10. Very, very interesting character. But tells us in Genesis 10 that Nimrod rebelled against God and it says that he went to Assyria and he actually built the city of Nineveh. So this city, Nineveh, was built and based upon rebellion. That's who its founder was, a man of rebellion, a man who was totally anti-God. And so Nineveh, this was, this was the kind of people they were, but you know, they were Gentiles. And Jonah is the only Jewish prophet in the Old Testament who was actually sent directly to go and preach to the Gentiles. And he didn't want to go. And you know, we're Gentiles. And we're, we're all the same. We're all born in sin. We're all born with that rebellion within us. But these people, God saw them. God saw their need. And God loved them. And God loved us. When we were, the Bible says, when you were far away, God loved you. His eyes have been on us from before we were born. He loves us with an everlasting love. And in this story, Jonah didn't want to go to people that God loved. But praise God, Jesus was different to Jonah because Jesus came to us. Jesus crossed over all all the divides and came to us. But Nineveh doesn't only um, mean the residence of Nimrod. It also means fish. And it's interesting that the people of Nineveh worshipped the fish goddess, Nanshi. Nanshi was the daughter of Ea, the goddess of fresh water. 
And the people of Nineveh also worshipped the fish god Dagon. And uh, images of Dagon have, have been found in palaces and temples in the Nineveh area and throughout that region. Now here's the thing. Dagon was represented as having the torso and the arms and the head of a man and the lower body of a fish. He was a kind of merman. And that was the, the god that they worshipped. We're going to see as we go on in this story that, that I believe that was quite significant. Uh, so we see that, that, um, that Jonah did not want to go to these people. He was full of bitterness and resentment. So let me read to you, let, continue in verse 5. It says, or verse 4, The Lord sent out a great wind in the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God, and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us for whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation and where do you come from and what's your country and of what people are you? So Jonah said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord. He's the God of heaven who made the, the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to Jonah, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more and more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood. For you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men, listen to this, then the men, these ungodly mariners, feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. You know, there's something about this story that is uh, so human, isn't there? There's something about it that kind of catches us. Uh, first of all, Jonah is full of resentment, full of anger. He doesn't feel these people deserve a chance. He doesn't want to go and bless them. Uh, would rather go the opposite direction. And as he's heading the opposite direction, God just lays hold of him. And, and I want to say to you this morning, if you belong to Jesus Christ, if you have asked him to be your saviour and your Lord, I want to encourage you, don't be running the opposite direction. Don't be holding on to wrong attitudes. Don't be holding on to negativity. Don't be allowing your mind to be controlled by stuff that's not, not of God. I would encourage you, get yourself sorted if there's somebody you're holding resentment for, even though they've hurt you or whatever, choose to forgive. Ask the Lord to help you to release them and to choose to forgive, even if you don't feel it. You don't have to feel it. You choose it. You speak it out. You don't have to feel that you're forgiven. You just choose to forgive. You say, Lord, I can't feel this, but I'm making a choice. Will you help me now? But I'm making this choice. I'm choosing to forgive. I'm choosing to release them. And, you know, as we do that, something happens. Now, I know that God doesn't always 
uh, there are certain people that God, he wants us to forgive and release everyone. But there are certain people he knows it's not wise we go back into relationship with because he knows that that will be a negative thing. So he, there's, he doesn't want us necessarily to be best buddies with that person. God will, the Holy Spirit will direct you with that. But he always wants us to forgive and release. And when we forgive and release, then we this direct line of enjoying God's presence. And you know what? It's not worth holding on to, to resentment to miss out on God's presence. Is it? God's presence is so beautiful. It's so important we let go of that stuff. It's so important we let go of the strongholds that Satan would try to set up on your mind. And we, we can't think negative, negatively about other people. And you know, it's so important you don't think negatively about yourself. Because that will, that will stop you as well. You need to, the, Jesus said that the truth, when you know the truth, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he said. And he said, when you know the truth, the truth will set you free. And so you need to know the truth about yourself, that you are loved, that God has made you just the way he wants you, that he has destiny written over your life, that he has plans for you that you've never dreamt of. You need to have that expectancy. And don't listen to those lies that, oh, I'm no good, and I can, everything I do doesn't work out, and this and that. When you talk like that, it affects how you feel. When you speak out, thank you, God, that I am who I am, look in the mirror and say, God, thank you, you made me just who I am. Thank you, I'm me. Thank you, you've made me just the way you want me. And thank you, you've got a good plan for my life. When we speak like that, you know what? You begin, the feelings begin to rise and the joy begins to rise and his presence becomes even sweeter. That's what God wants us to do. He wants us to grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's a beautiful thing and that's an ongoing thing because it's an ongoing relationship. And this is what God wants for all of us. And for those of us who have been Christians for a long time, it's important that we have this freshness, that we understand it's not something that happened. I was saved when I was eight, but I think I love God more now than I did when I was way back when I was eight. I know God more. My Christian life's more precious now than it ever was. And it's meant to be an ongoing, wonderful relationship. But poor Jonah, Jonah had got a loud anger and bitterness to get a hold of him. And here he's on the run. He's not enjoying God's presence. He's running away from God's presence. And, and he's on the run. And, and he finds himself in the bottom of this ship. And this, this captain of the ship, who's an ungodly man, he comes down and he gives him a shake and he says, Waking up, sleeper. What are you doing? And you know, if you belong to Jesus Christ, do you know what? Jesus is still the captain. And he will come, and I tell you, he's done it in my life, and I've got off course at different times, and I tell you, he'll give you a bit of a shake, and he'll say, get up and stop your sleeping. God wants us to be alert and to be alive and to understand that his, his presence is wonderful and his, he, his word is for each day. It's a new every morning. morning. He wakens me morning by morning. It's a wonderful, everyday, fresh relationship with God. The captain of this ship wakened up Jonah and they got him up. He was where Jonah was down on the very bottom of the ship. He was down as far as he could go. He was down. He went down to Joppa, down into the ship, and then down into the bottom of the ship. And he's lying in the bottom of the ship as far down as he can go, and he's fast asleep. And he's wakened up to reality. And when he goes up, this, these sailors here, and it can't have been too big of a ship because they were rowing like mad, unless it's one of those big ones, you know, they're rowing at the bottom of the galley or something. But anyway, they were rowing like mad, and they want to know, oh, who are you? Or what's happening? Why has this happened to us? They couldn't understand. They're calling out to their false gods. They're saying, oh, what? why is this happening? And they're, they're crying out to their false gods. And Jonah comes up, and Jonah, Jonah just, he just fesses up. 
He just speaks it out and he just says, he tells them who he is, and he says, I'm a Hebrew. He's taking on the he's taking on the identity of the God of the Hebrews. He says, I'm a Hebrew, and he said, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. He's 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 saying, Do you know what? This sea's going crazy. These big waves, the God I serve, he's the one who's in charge of the sea. And the moment that he actually confesses that he belongs to Christ, belongs to God, belongs to, of course, with the Old Testament covenant relationship with the Jewish people, the moment he confesses that he belongs to the Jewish people, that he's in covenant relationship with the God of the universe, the moment that he does that, something happens. Because these men actually, I think they respect what he says. Because they didn't chuck him out. They started to roll harder. They wanted to try and save his life. And you know what? Even when backsliders even let God down big time, even when we get away from God, do you know that the moment we choose to confess him again before the world, you know, God can redeem even the mistakes that we made. God can redeem even the years that we have wasted where we didn't actually stand up and, and speak out for God. See, God loves people who get away from him. He wants to bring them back. And the moment we come back, isn't it amazing? He not only brings us back into that close fellowship with himself, but even people that we have you know, lived as a non-Christian and, and maybe feel God in so many ways. The moment that we take a stand and say, you know what, I've come back to the Lord. The moment we do that, God impacts people around us. These sailors were impacted. And they started to roll. They were trying to save his life. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And we read that how that the sea then became calm. I have this mental picture of uh, Jonah saying, it's all about me. The Lord's annoyed with me. You better throw me overboard. And I can see these men and, you know, the huge waves. He just picked the big waves over the ship and the ship's being tossed about. And they're getting him by the hands and the feet. And can you see them begin to swing him? You know, they're swinging him from side to side. And then there comes a moment where they're letting him go and he's shot out. Can you imagine what was going through Jonah's head? As he could feel himself being swung and he knows any minute I'm going to go into that ocean. And, he, and, and, he, and he's, he's, he's finds himself, you know, at that point where he's mid-air. I wonder what he was thinking when he was mid-air and, and kind of knowing he was about to go down into those big waves. It tells us here, they picked up Jonah and they threw him out. Look what it says in verse 17. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. You know what, folks? There's times in life where we feel like we've been thrown about, isn't there? There's times that we feel that we've made such a mess of things and it feels almost like we're in midair and what's going to happen? I wonder if Jonah think, I'm done for now. This is the end. I'm going to drown. This is the end. But you know what? God had prepared a great fish. And the fish, fish, and you, you say that, the fish was in exactly the right place at the right time and it had its mouth open. And just as Jonah hit those waves, he went right down into the fish's belly. See, God can put a fish for you. He can put a fish. He can. He he knows how to catch you at just the right moment. Nothing is out of his control. You need to know that nothing in your life is out of his control. He had prepared that fish for that moment to catch Jonah. 
And Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. I want to, I'm going to skip a bit and we'll come back to it next week, but I want you to look down to verse 10. After the three days and the three nights, so the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Now I want you to get a, a wee, imagine, use your imagination. And imagine that some of these uh, locals are up the coast and they've got their fishing line out and they're fishing along the coast and uh, suddenly they see the water being disturbed and they see something happening and they wonder what on earth is that it couldn't be a submarine because they hadn't invented submarines at that time and up out of the water comes this huge fish and goes right up to the land anybody been to, to Orlando, Florida you'll see the big whale away from them and it throws itself up on the land out pops something and this human being is deposited on the shores of the sea. But can you imagine their response whenever this wee man picks himself up and he, his hair and his skin is bleached, ghostly white because he's been the digestive juices of that whale for three days but have done that to his skin. He's ghostly white and he's come out of a fish. What do these people worship? A fish god. What's their first initial reaction? Fear. Fear. This is a god. This is, that's their first reaction. I believe that was their first reaction. I believe, can you imagine the impact on the community when they heard of this man coming up? They're worshipping a fish and this man comes out of a fish. I tell you, that's some way to start to prepare the way for a gospel campaign. <laughs> <laughs> and, this, and this skin's not going to turn back again this skin's going to stay white and he's going to start walking now he's going to start to walk he's going to do what God told him to do we're going to see next time he still didn't really have the right attitude but he's starting to walk now in towards Nineveh can you imagine the ripples that are going around the community the whole place, the whole city that this man has come out of a, out of a fish <laughs> They were so ready to hear what he had to say. (laughs) 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 Folks, here's the thing that gets me. That even when we go against God, even when we fail, even when we haven't the right attitude, you know, he's still working with us. And I love Romans 8 and 28, for it says, for we know that God works all things together for good, to them who love him, to them who are called according to his purpose. Do you know that the very worst situation in life is part of those all things? Jonah had let the Lord down. He had dishonoured him. He had disobeyed him. He had gone the opposite direction. But God was still after him. And God was still going to use him. And you know what? God's after you. And I want to encourage you this week and next week, really encourage you that God has a plan for your life. He has a people he wants you to touch. Is a people he wants to send you to. There are certain individuals that he can't reach without you. He needs you to speak to certain individuals. And he needs you to get rid of any prejudice. And he needs you to have his love for others. He needs you to have a clean, nothing between you and him. Have the right attitude towards people. And then you have the right attitude towards God. And you know what? We need to come to that point of saying, Lord, whatever you ask me to do, yes. It's surrender. Surrender is the key to living for God. Because do you know what? When we start and fight against God and think we know better than he does, 
we get into trouble. We just we just lose out on that sense of his presence. You see, surrendering everything to God, that's what increases the joy of his presence. And in his presence, the Bible says, there is fullness of joy. And the devil wants to stop you enjoying the presence of God. He wants to stop you at any cost. And the, the, the quickest way is disobedience. And yes, we come across disappointments. Yes, sometimes God asks us to do things that are hard. It's not always easy being a Christian. But when he asks us to do something that's hard, we need to obey him, even if it goes against our flesh. Because we need to understand that he knows something we don't know. And we need to trust him. That's what trusting God is all about. It's trusting him that he knows more than we do, that he knows something I don't know. And therefore, God, even though this seems a crazy thing, I'm going to obey you because I know what you say is right. That's trusting God. We will begin to see we begin to see God moving in our lives. And I want to so encourage you that God works all things together for good. Don't let the devil feed you lies. Don't have a stronghold that your past is too bad and you, you, how could God use you? Listen, God loves to turn what the enemy meant for evil. He just loves to turn it around and bring good out of it. So, Father, I thank you this morning that your word is so powerful and so good, that you're such a good God. And, Father, I just pray this morning that if any of us have wrong mindsets about ourselves or about other people, that you would help us, Lord, to cast them down. Lord, we need to lay hold of them and pull them down, Lord. Lord, we, we just want to have your mind. We want to have the mind of Christ. We want to think the way you think. We want to, to speak out your word over our lives. We speak your word out over our future, over our, over our children, over our, our, our family. God, we speak your truth. We do not listen to the lies of the enemy. And we praise you, Lord, that you're a God. You're a God who works all things together for good. Father, I just pray for a fresh outpouring of your spirit right now. Lord, that over every person here, there will be a sense of God's call on their lives. That they would even hear you afresh, Lord, the things that you'd want to challenge them about. Lord, that we might all be challenged this morning, that we might all realign ourselves with you. God, would you speak, Lord, would you speak into our hearts this morning. Let us hear your still, small voice. Prompt us, lead us, guide us. Strengthen us, encourage us, feed us, challenge us. God, we want to be a people who obey you. We want to know the joy of your presence more and more in our life. It's being alive to God. We've been given this wonderful gift of eternal life. That's what salvation is. We have eternal life. And we can still choose to live in this old flesh nature and, and run the opposite direction to God. Or we can say, you know what, Lord? I want to obey you. I want to live in this new nature that you've put in me. I want to live this out in the power of your Holy Spirit. I want to do things your way. And when we make that choice to do things God's way, we will not only enjoy the presence of God with such a sweetness, but we will see God moving in our lives. And the overflow of that joy of his presence will flow out to others around and impact other people. It's so important. It's so key that we keep our hearts right with each other and with the Lord so that we can enjoy his presence and see the power of his presence touching and influencing the people around us. Go for it, girls. Go for it. I want to go for it. I do not want to stay where I am. I want to get to know God even more. There's so much more. And I encourage you to reach for it, to run for it. Don't run away like Jonah, but run towards God. 
and just see what he'll do in your life.